let you check out the trailer. My thoughts here momentarily. Uh, I believe God has for us this morning, so check this video out. Touchdown. Yeah, are these the roots? What is it? Statue of Liberty or Snowman? <laughs> Daddy, what's martial law? still dark. Life as we know it will come to an end in 90 days. It's on us to change that. I can't leave my family. Don't pretend your family is exempt. When we talk about the end of humanity. I don't want to leave you. I have to go. I'll be back and safe. memo sent from this installation. Pretty obvious nobody back home bothered to read it. If I could get into Russia, where would I start? Russia's a black hole. I need answers. Guns are half measure. You with the CIA? But they're not with me. Karen. Is there anything left out there? If we knew where this thing started, maybe we could kill it. These things have a weakness. Every human being we save is one less to fight. I got to share something. I think it's a great plot line, storyline. If you don't know what the Z stands for, let me break it. It stands for zombies. So I'm just going to throw this out there because I know what you're thinking. Brent, do you believe in zombies? Brent, do you believe in the zombie apocalypse? Because I know that's a relevant question. No. I'm going to break the ice with that one. World War Z. I got to be honest with you. If Brad Pitt was not in the movie, it probably would not have been as good as I thought it was. It wasn't like the greatest movie. I'm going to kind of break down what happened pretty short terms. There's the world, and there's a group of people. And all of a sudden, these zombies start breaking out with some infection. They don't even know how people got it. And when you get bitten by a zombie, what do you think happens? You become a zombie. So Brad Pitt has to figure out how to stop this whole zombie apocalypse Weird disease, whatever, and the ending's pretty cool. I'm not going to ruin it if you haven't seen it. Check it out. But um, the whole point is Brad Pitt has to figure out how to stop this thing before it destroys all of humanity. Uh, I lost a lot of respect for Brad Pitt until 
Friday night, I got home after a Convoy of Hope rally and Moneyball was on. Who all seen Moneyball? Great movie. My respect level went back up for him, so it's all good. Zombies. Not a zombie guy. Never will be. If that offends you, I, I don't care. Uh, I think there's multiple themes in this movie, all right? There's the whole fight for your life thing, because Brad Pitt, all these characters, all of humanity, they were in a fight for their life. Maybe pay attention to your surroundings, because if you didn't pay attention, you could get bit by a zombie, which maybe a lesson we can learn from that is if your friends bite you, you probably shouldn't hang out with them. <laughs> Take that for what it's worth. Uh, maybe battle in fear, because, I mean, there's points in this movie where I'm the guy in the movie, like, when there's a, a, like a jump scene where someone jumps out of nowhere, I'm the guy that like popcorn flies everywhere. So like I'm watching this by myself, and there's some jump scenes and stuff, and I had to kind of battle fear because I'm like, I don't know when a zombie's going to pop out because apparently you never do because everyone keeps getting infected by them. Um, but what I want to focus on, you know, I think there's a lot of different um, stories and themes that you can get from, from a movie. And this whole point of at the movies is we want to try to find a spiritual theme, and we're really using the, the movie as a springboard to, apl- uh, to learn things that God might have to say through the movie, that there's a story within the movie, just like our lives are within a story. And there's a thing I want to focus on that really stood out to me, and it was this whole preparing for the end, because in this movie, if Brad Pitt did not stop this whole zombie thing, you heard it in the trailer, you know, all of humanity was doomed. The world was going to end. There was nothing anybody could do to stop it. So that's what I believe God wants us to talk about this morning. It's preparing for the end. But the end of, of, of what? The end of our life. The end of this world. You know, the afterlife. There's a, like a whole lot of different thoughts and perspectives on that stuff. But the reality is, at some point in life, your life, my life is going to come to an end. And I think the whole thought of what can I do to prepare, to position myself, to make sure I'm in the right place, for eternity is something all of us need to consider. And you might be here this morning, and you might be like, you know what, Brent, I'm not sure what I, I believe about eternity or about, you know, the, the end of time and where I'm going to end up. You know, sometimes people think, you know, I just kind of die, and I just kind of get buried in the ground, and that's the end. Some people believe, you know, if I'm good enough, maybe I'll get to some type of paradise. Or some people believe in heaven. Some people don't believe in hell. There's all these different perspectives. And I don't know where you find yourself this morning, but wherever you are, you're in a good place. But I got to ask you, and I got to ask myself, what are we doing to prepare for the end of our lives? Because I hate to break the news. And it's not like an encouraging word to hear, but something that we have to think about. That life is fleeting. And one day, our lives in this world are going to come to an end. The Bible has a lot to say about that. In Matthew 24, verses 4 through 6, Jesus said this. He says, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. And the whole point of that verse is, but the end is still to come. In Philippians 3 verse 20, Paul is right into this church, and he says, your citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven, meaning this earth is not the end all. This earth is not our, our home, that God created us for a different place an eternal home in heaven. Now, for us, I think, we don't like thinking about the end of the world and, you know, eternity and, you know, the end of life just because it's not, like, the most exciting thing to think about. But I think it's something that we have to give thought to because, for me, I know, I think more of the immediate, you know, the temporary, like, the now 
than I do of eternity, which isn't necessarily like a bad thing, because even Jesus says in the Bible, he, like he said, you know, don't focus so much on tomorrow and worry so much about tomorrow that you forget about the needs of today. But the Bible is also just as clear of knowing where our ultimate destination is, and it's not earth, it's eternity. It's either in, in, in heaven or hell. And the Bible is just as clear about knowing where we stand and knowing what we have to do to prepare ourselves with what God's given us for that eternal place. Now, for me, I know just preparing in general, I think I'm getting better with a variety of things on preparing for stuff, but I think with preparation, there comes this struggle that I think many of us can have. And I'm going to kind of walk us through a few points, not even just with thinking about, you know, preparing for the end of time and the end of our life, but just preparation with our daily life in general. I think there's this struggle that we can have that I feel like we often can neglect our responsibility of preparing for stuff. That we know we need to be doing things to prepare for certain situations or things that we expect to happen within our life, but we don't. And we say this quote or this excuse that I've used from time to time. It's, you know, I'll do that tomorrow. And we all know that usually the case is tomorrow never really comes. That we struggle with laziness and putting things off as long as we can. We say we want change, but we do nothing to prepare ourselves to experience that change that we claim we desire within our life. And it's because we neglect our responsibility of preparing for a variety of things. Another thing is maybe sometimes we struggle with acting like we don't care to prepare. It's like, you know, we don't care about life. Life's been hard, and it's kind of put us in a place where we're just numb to everything, and we don't have much feeling. We don't have much emotion. We don't love people like we used to love people. We don't care like we used to care, and we act like we don't care to prepare. We get to the point in life where we just don't care. It's worn us out. We've given up, and I've been there. And we get to a place, and this is kind of a scary place, where we, we don't even care that we don't even care. And that's kind of a scary spot to be in. But we act like we don't care about preparing because we don't really care about life. And we've given up. And there's hope for you if you're in that position this morning. Because I was there at one point within my life. Another thing is I think we are often caught off guard in life. It's like we don't mean to be unprepared, but life happens. And we're caught off guard. And we thought we would be prepared for things. And then things happen. And we realize, wow, I was not prepared for this. The car dies. The student loans keep piling up. You get sick and there's all these medical bills and things just keep sneaking up on us. And we're kind of caught off guard. And we're like, I couldn't even prepare for something like this because it's this struggle of being prepared. The last thing is this. I think sometimes we just can't make the time commitment of preparing for things. That life is just too crazy. Time is too short. We can't find time to prepare for much because we barely have time to think because our schedules are so busy, our, our kids' schedules are so busy, our work schedule is so busy. We barely have time to even think and have personal time, let alone prepare for things that are important to us. So we just go through life kind of taking things head on as they come. You know, when they come, I'll deal with it. And we struggle with preparing because we can't make that time commitment. But, when, but like when we think about preparing for the end of our lives, it's something that we have to take into consideration. And I think this morning with what God is, has put on my heart for us to talk through, I think if we really soak in and consider and analyze this whole preparing for eternity, I, I think it can dramatically change the course of your life here on earth, the course of your eternal destination, and the legacy that you're going to leave behind when your life has come to an end. 
So how can we prepare for the end? I think there's a variety of things that we can do, but I just want to hit three things this morning that are practical that we can do to prepare for the end. And I'll try to tie in World War Z as much as I can um, for those of you that care. Um, So the first thing is this. If I really want to prepare for the end, for eternity, because believe it or not, what you see right now is all going to be gone one day. The Bible is clear about it. You know what? I choose to believe what the Bible says because I believe the Bible is God's word. And I'm going to take him at his word. And he says that life is fleeting. One day this life is going to be gone. We have to understand first and foremost that understand life is fragile. We have to understand in preparing for uh, the end, we have to understand that life is fragile. Meaning we're not invincible. We are fragile. We are easily broken. We're easily hurt and easily wounded. And I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing. I, I, I think it's just evidence of how fragile our life actually is. Many of us have experienced life being fragile. Like we've, we've been hurt. We've been broken. Pieces of our life are kind of broken on the ground, and we try to piece them back together, uh, but life is just fragile. But the Bible says that God can mend the brokenhearted, and put back the pieces, the, uh, like the, the parts of our life that are, are broken. And we got to understand that God is concerned about our fragile state of life, and God is aware of it, and he understands. But we got to understand life is fragile. In James 4, verse 14, it says, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. In other words, we may be able to make choices and feel like, we control bits and pieces of our life, which God has given us free will, which is just, you know, a term for I have the right and the responsibility to choose what I want. And God's not going to force me to do anything. But a lot of times I get, I get caught up in thinking, you know, like I have control over my life. I have control over the bits and pieces. And to some extent we do. But ultimately, you and I have no control over how fleeting life is and when our time comes and how fragile it can be. The Bible says life is fleeting, life is brief, life is momentary, it's passing. And most of the time, we don't even know what a day holds. We don't know what's around the corner. And like in World War Z, who would have known that a zombie apocalypse was about to happen? Because all of them were living their life, doing their own thing, and all of a sudden life got fragile and started falling apart, and they were caught off guard, and they had to change things up. We don't know what tomorrow holds, and I think that just proves that ultimately God is the one in control, and he's given us free will and freedom to choose what we want. But ultimately, God is sovereign, and God is in control. In Psalm 98, it says, Remember how short my life is, how empty and futile this human existence. No one can live forever, all will die. No one can escape the power of the grave. Now, I think oftentimes, you know, the first, like for me, when I'm reading scripture, and, and maybe this could be something that you can apply to your life and getting in, in the word and there's like like words that pop out to me when I'm reading the scripture and for this it was the word remember and I'm like why would God tell us to remember how short life is and that no one can escape death and that all will die and I think it's because oftentimes God will call us to remember things because life starts happening and we hear easily we easily forget things and I, I think oftentimes in life we can easily forget that life is fragile life is fleeting We often forget until something dramatic happens to us. 
you know, we see stuff on the news, and, you know, that's dramatic. You know, like you see stuff going on, you know, in our country or around the world where innocent people are dying. And, you know, there is a part of us that is impacted by that. But when something remotely, like, like, like a lot closer to you happens, whether you're hurt personally, something dramatic happens to you personally, or something dramatic happens to someone close to you, that's when we really, to feel, that's when we really begin to feel how fragile life actually is, when we're personally impacted by this fragile, broken world that we are a part of. I know for me personally, I had a cousin pass away about two weeks ago. And for those of you that supported him in prayer, my family is very thankful for that. Um, he was extremely young. He didn't, he didn't take care of himself. And for me, it can get very easy for me to get numb and start going through life, you know, and forgetting life's fragile, and then all of a sudden, something starts happening with my family, and, you know, I can't be there to support them. All of a sudden, I start to realize again how life fragile is, how broken life can be, how life is fleeting. And then last week, a week later, I got a phone call from my mom, and one of my good friends from high school was in a very serious car accident. Her name uh, is Rachel. You can continue praying for her. Um, she was texting and driving on the interstate and uh, pretty much slammed into the back of an 18-wheeler that was stopped in a construction zone. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, listening t- to my mom tell me this, and it's just like back-to-back, life is fragile. And for me, I get numb to stuff like that, and then all of a sudden stuff start, starts happening to me, and I'm like, how precious our life is that God has given us. We, we can't waste it. We can't neglect the plans that God has for us. Because honestly, you never know when your time is going to come. We just never do. But oftentimes we forget life is fragile until something dramatic happens to us. But to prepare for the end, we can't lose perspective. Our life is fragile. But God is sovereign. God is in control, God is concerned, and God cares about our fragile state of life, and he has compassion upon it. Life is fragile. Secondly, it's this. If we want to prepare for the end, we have to think and live intentionally. Think and live intentionally. So think about what? So I'm going to throw out a bunch of questions to get us thinking. Think about what? If I'm going to think and live intentionally, what do I need to think about? Think thoughts like this. What is my life all about? What is my agenda? What direction am, am I headed? What kind of person am I becoming? What's my purpose? Why do I exist? And these are questions all of us think about because God designed us this way. What value system or belief system am, am I basing my life off of? What motives, lie beneath the, of? what motives lie beneath the surface of who I am? We have to think and live intentionally. And the Bible talks about this. In Ephesians 5 verse 10, it says, figure out what will please Christ and then do it. That's pretty straight to the point. So it says, figure out, which is think, think intentionally, what will please Christ, and then do it. Live intentionally. Think and live intentionally. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, it says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, meaning don't be stupid. Don't do things you know you shouldn't be doing. Don't go down paths destroying you that are bad for you. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Think and live intentionally. Phrases that stick out to me were figure out, be careful, make the most. But what does this practically look like for us? For me, it can be very easy for me to start just going through the motions of life and putting on a show and 
think all of us can struggle with that from time to time. And we don't really think about the choices that we're making. We don't really think about the life that we're living and what God has called us to live with intention, to think and live intentionally. Think about who you want to be. Think about the choices you're making. Think and figure out if it's really honoring God and if, and if it's really God's best and what he has for you. Because the reality is this. What we think about determines our choices. Our choices determine our habits. And over time, our habits build our character and are determining and shaping who you and I are becoming. And when we don't choose to think and live intentionally, we start making choices that everyone else is doing. We don't think about how these choices might be affecting us, whether positively or negatively. And ultimately, over time, our choices are determining who we're becoming, and we have to think and live intentionally. So think about this, this scenario. What if you knew you had 30 days to live? How much different would you live your life? What would you be most concerned about? What would be most important to you? Would it be how much money you had? How much you accomplished? All the material possessions that we gained? How I promoted my agenda and made life all about me? I I really don't think so. If I knew I had 30 days to live, I think most of us would be most concerned about righting the wrongs in our lives. Asking for and extending forgiveness. Attempting to put the pieces of our life in the proper places and attempting to make the most of the days we had left because of how quickly we knew our time was coming. I think in that scenario, what would be most important to you if you knew you had 30 days left? What would be most important to me if I knew I had 30 days left to live? Are probably the things that are probably the things that should be most important to us right now. We have to think and live with intention. In Romans, there's this verse where Paul is writing to a group of people that were struggling with thinking and living intentionally. He says this in Romans 1. It says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds, and animals, and reptiles. And then it says this, So God abandoned them to whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, because they didn't think and live intentionally, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. These people struggle with thinking and living intentionally. And we don't worship idols. I mean, I doubt anyone goes home and you have like a, you know, a statue of a bird that you worship. I mean, that's just apparently what was going on back then. We don't make idols out of material possessions like they did in this verse. But we do make idols in our lives. Usually not out of things that we can see. These people didn't think and live intentionally. And all of a sudden they start building idols of things that they wanted and things that they thought was best. And for me, my idol is myself. My agenda is what's important. Life's all about me. Whatever feels good. Can, can you still hear me? I thought I went out for a second. Whatever feels good to me is what I'm going to do. And we start worshiping the idol of ourself when we don't think and live intentionally. We place what we want and what momentarily feels good in place of what is best. And we can often make life all about us even without meaning to. Because left on our own, when we don't think and live intentionally, we're going to naturally drift towards selfishness. We exchange the truth of God for lies about ourselves and we start believing it. 
And biblically, there's a point where God says this, because there's that scripture that said, God abandoned them to what they thought they really wanted and what they thought God's desire was. And there's a point in life, and this is kind of a scary thought to have, where we start doing our own thing and not thinking and living intentionally. Life's all about us, what I want, what feels good to me, what I think is best, worldly pleasures and lusts. There's a point where God says, you know what? My hands are off. I'm going to stand right here. And when you get serious and you decide you actually want me and what I have to offer you, you come back to me. And it doesn't mean that God's not chasing after us. It it doesn't mean that uh, that God's not trying to get our attention because he is constantly. But God doesn't force himself on us. We have the freedom to choose. But when we make life all about us and we don't think and live intentionally, scary thought is we might get to a place where God's like, if that's what you think you really want, you're about to experience some pretty hard things in life, some lessons that are going to teach you that it's not really what you were designed for. And for me, I learned that the hard way in, in high school. You know, you probably heard me talk about how I put on a show. I, I was the good Christian kid, and I was doing things that I, I didn't need to be involved in and things I knew that I wasn't created for. But there came a point where I believe God was like, Brent, you know what? If that's what you think you want, I'm going to be right here. And when you realize that's not what you need, I'm going to be here for you. And I learned some very painful, difficult life lessons because of my selfishness. Because I didn't think and live intentionally. Because I wasn't preparing for the end. And the reality is our sin is a direct result of our selfishness, of not thinking and living with intention. Placing our opinions and our perceptions above God's truth and, what's, and what the reality is. And when I begin to drift down this destructive path is when I'm not thinking and living with intention. So to prepare for the end, we have to understand, first off, life is fragile. This world is broken. This world's never going to be perfect. I don't care what politicians try to do and how many peace agreements we have. This world's a broken place. There's always going to be misunderstandings. It's full of evil and brokenness. And yet Jesus decided to come down and give us a ray of hope for our eternity. And despite the brokenness that we feel, and that life is fragile, God is sovereign. And we also have to understand, for you and I to prepare for the end and for eternity, we have to think and live with intention. Don't walk blindly through life. Filter the things that you're putting in your heart. The choices that you're making. Because... You may know who you want to be, but the choices that you're making are actually determining that person that you're becoming. And it's extremely important. The third thing is this. If we really want to prepare for the end, you and I have to determine where we will place our trust. Eternity. This world is fleeting and fading quickly. Where are you going to place your trust? You know, but you, but you might be like, Brent, all right, trust for, for what? You know, I'm kind of following. It's trust for your, your life, trust for your eternity, trust for your, your soul. Where are you going to place your trust? Because I've realized for me, I, I can barely make it by when I place my trust in my hands here on this earth. How can I expect to place trust in myself when it comes to my eternity? If I do such a good job of messing things up here, how can I expect to trust myself when it comes to my eternal life and ultimately where I'm going to end up? 
The Bible says in Proverbs 14, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man or a woman. It's not just the men. There's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, its way is death. Meaning, there are things that will seem right to you and me that are far from right. And when I place trust in myself and my own assumptions and my opinions about life, it can only lead me to one place. And it's death. When God's way provides eternal life. My attempts on trying to take care of my eternity is me thinking if I'm just good enough, just good enough, if I, if I do enough good things, maybe God will let me in. If I just try harder, if I just try harder and try harder and try harder and try harder, maybe then God will see I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Then maybe then he'll let me in. But there's a way that seems right that is far from right. And we have to understand that our need for what God has offered us in Christ is directly connected to our own sense and understanding of our own brokenness and rebellion. And until we realize how broken and rebellious we are, and I'm speaking to myself, my, my, my love and my want for what Jesus did for me on the cross is not going to be, be of any sense of understanding for me because I don't understand I'm the thing that's fragile, I'm the thing that, that's broken. That Jesus accomplished something for you and I on the cross that we were incapable of doing on our own, and that's bridging the gap between God and our eternal paradise and our relationship with God and a broken humanity where Christ bridged the gap. Christ took our place and died upon a cross for you and me. The reality is you and I can't trust ourselves. I can't save myself. I can't fix myself. But Jesus can. And what he's done for us on the cross. Worship team, you can go ahead and come up. I'm going to kind of wrap things up here. But there's this great scripture in uh, John 14 verses 1 through 3. And really what I believe Jesus is, is one of us to know this morning when it comes to our e eternity because life is fleeting, life is fragile. This world is going to end one day. And my question for you is today, if this was the last day of your life, where would you be? Where would you end up? Do you know where you're going? Do you know where your destination is? Because you don't have to leave this morning doubtful and unaware of where you're going to be spending your eternity. Jesus says this when it comes to preparing for the end. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Meaning, don't be fearful. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I not have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? For you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back. I'm going to take you with me so that you may also be where I am. Where will you place your trust for your eternal destination? You don't have to try to fix yourself. You don't have to try harder. You don't have to be just good enough. Jesus paid the ultimate price upon the cross, took our place because of our sins and our rebellions, and bridged the gap between us, our brokenness, our fragile state of life, and a holy God that is desperately desiring an intimate relationship and life and eternity with each and every one of us. What, what breaks my heart about this verse, 
when I was reading this week, you know, Jesus says, you know, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back. And I'm going to want you to come back with me. And I had this thought of, you know, how many empty rooms are there in heaven that God had prepared and planned out that people rejected who Jesus was and are spending an eternity in hell away from the God that they were destined to be with. How many empty rooms are there? Is God's preparing a room for you in eternity? And he's given Jesus upon the cross when we come to the end of ourselves and say, I fully accept what Jesus has done for me. I can't fix myself. I can't have control over my eternal destination, but Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't you believe in God? Believe that he sent me to save you. And I'm preparing a place for you, and I'm going to come back for you one day. Don't let your room be empty. God's calling you into a relationship with him. God's calling you to spend eternity with him. God will call us to make a decision. We must take a step of faith and trust. We must come to the end of ourselves. We're not going to understand what Jesus has done for us. It doesn't make sense that a holy God would come down in human form and sacrifice himself and take our place because of mistakes that we made, but Jesus did. We have to trust Christ's word. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I've taken your place. I've made a way. Will we fully accept the cross of Christ? If you guys would shut your eyes for me and I'm going to wrap things up here this morning, but I don't know where you are. But you don't have to leave here today not knowing where your eternal destination is going to be. And don't let your room be empty. Christ has prepared it for you. Maybe you're here today and you aren't right with God. The life is fleeting and you're fully aware of it. But you don't know the direction that you're headed. You don't know the, the road you're headed down. You don't like this road of destruction that you're walking down and God's calling you to take a step of trust and faith and accept Jesus into your life and what he's accomplished for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you just needed the reminder of this this world is fleeting, this life is fragile and God's calling you to live and think with intention about the life you're living. Maybe you feel like you've been placing trust within yourself for some struggles and some situations. And I believe God's calling you this morning to just come back to him and say, I've been placing my trust in myself and my own strength. You know, I've, I've forgotten what Jesus has done for me. And I'm, I need to accept it again. If you feel like you might be in that first group of not knowing where you're headed today, you don't want your room to be empty in heaven and God's calling you into a relationship with, with his son Jesus. I just want you to raise your hands for me so I, I can know to pray for you. Maybe you're in that other group where you've been challenged by something today about preparing for the end of your life and you want to live differently from this moment. Just let me see your hands so I can pray in agreement with you. Well, Lord, God, I... I thank you that 
you how you give us guidance to prepare for the end of our lives that it's not something that will catch us off guard you've given us plenty of warning and time and I pray today God that whether we're accepting you for the first time that we will come to the end of ourselves or maybe we've been challenged to live life differently to prepare for the end to make sure we end up in the right place and we leave the and we leave the right legacy here on this earth we ask these things in